Welcome to Aging Better in Uncertain Times. I'm Gord Martineau, in studio, alongside Dr. Fabio Varlese. Here, we help you keep informed and up-to-date on the latest in science, medicine, and technology that helps us all age better in these uncertain times. We've seen an increase in the amount of uh, substance abuse. We've seen an increase in the amount of anxiety and depression. We've seen also the liquor sales have increased substantially during the COVID period. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we talk about COVID and we talk about the second wave, um, what we, one wave, the tsunami that's in behind both these waves, because it is continuing to grow, is the tsunami with mental health and addictions. It is growing and it is growing exponentially compared to COVID-19. We actually are having more people dying from a mental health or addiction issue than we have had with people dying from COVID. Thanks for joining us in our weekly guide to living better and healthier lives so that we can experience aging better in these uncertain times. Now, throughout this series, we're going to examine the best ways to prepare ourselves for the future. So what's the best advice for our overall health? We're going to look at every aspect of affecting your life, and that means physical, mental, financial, nutritional, and medical. We'll cover all the bases. To do that, we'll supply you with high-value information from the leading experts in each field. And by that, I don't mean just everyday opinions. We'll be introducing you to the leading experts in these fields, men and women who have studied, worked, and who teach at the highest levels. You have questions. We have the answers. Now, joining me here in the studio, Dr. Fabio Varlese, a specialist in internal medicine and geriatric medicine. He's the Vice President of Medical Affairs and Chief of Staff at Runnymede Hospital, Staff Specialist at Baycrest Health Sciences and Mount Sinai Hospital. Dr. Varlese is also the Assistant Professor at the University of Toronto. Welcome, Doctor. So Thank you. COVID-19 is here. It has exacted a horrific price on our society, both in terms of overall health and financially as well. But one of the things that it has really had an impact on that not many people realize is mental health. Because of the stress factor imposed by COVID-19, people are suffering. I mean, you've got, you know, substance abuse, uh, child abuse, spousal abuse, you know, PTSD, and all of the associated issues. So this is really something that I don't think a lot of people have paid a great deal of attention to. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing because we, our healthcare system um, has made a lot of uh, advancements. Canadians live longer, live healthier lives. Um, average age of a male is 79.9 uh, in terms of expectancy and 84 for women. Um, tremendous, um, tremendous achievements on one side, but even before COVID, there were existing problems in our system. And uh, certainly mental health, uh, uh, mental illness was a, a significant one. They're totally exacerbated during uh, this mm -hmm. uh, pandemic. And uh, we have to pay a lot of attention to the problems everybody is going through. And, and the aging population in particular, but this is not only isolated to them. There's, there's always been fragmentation uh, um, difficult uh, difficulty accessing uh, specialized services. There are a lot of stigma in the elderly and mm -hmm. Canadian society, just like many others, have been ageist in, in, uh, over the years. We need to pay a lot of attention to what's going on. We need to get uh, the medical minds, uh, you know, sitting down with politicians and really focusing on what is going to make things better. So I think that today we have some very important uh, guests that are mm -hmm. going to help us 
really get to um, the, 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 the center point of what is going on and how we can help. Right. We have three very great guests, very qualified guests. Let, let's begin with Connie Dijak. She's the president and chief executive officer of Runnymede Healthcare. And also with us today, we have the Deputy Minister of Health for Ontario, Minister Michael Tabolo. And uh, thirdly, we have the Interim Chief of the Toronto Police Service, James Reimer, with us today. Welcome to all three of you. Connie, I'll begin with you. You are uh, an advocate of treatment or better treatment or increased treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, you've seen the effect that COVID-19 has had on people. Um, what kind of recommendations can you make? What advice can you give to people, let's say 45 and over, who are trying to deal with the stress factor of COVID-19? Well, thank you, Gordon. Thank you for uh, inviting me here today. This is an extremely important topic that we need to bring to the surface and discuss. Um, you know, COVID-19 has had a definite effect on not just healthcare providers and the population uh, itself, but on first responders as well. And we know that first responders are at greater risk of developing PTSD because of routinely exposed to work-related traumatic events. And if I can just interrupt it for a second, then first responders are hugely important because they're the first people you will encounter if you have an issue going to any hospital, no matter what your problem is. They are the ones who initially uh, will filter you through the system. So their job is, is hugely important. Well, absolutely. I was speaking to the association, incoming association president, uh, just the other day. And it's interesting that we will designate them for labor reasons as uh, essential service so they can't strike. But when it comes to receiving treatment or care, they seem to be forgotten. And so if they're an essential service and we need to keep uh, society running, then we need to address this issue with first responders and healthcare workers. More of a priority. Absolutely. But that just yeah. doesn't seem to be the case. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to have discussions like this. You know, they see life, they're in life threatening situations. They see serious in, uh, injuries and death of colleagues and civilians on a daily basis. Mm. And so they're only uh, going into their profession to help, and they come out with all of this and having to deal with it. And that is a very difficult situation for most first responders. And how first responders deal with people coming to them is crucial in getting the appropriate treatment. I mean, if you have a first responder who's you know, suffering the effects of the stress on the job, then, and, you know, their, their greetings to you might not be as effective. Absolutely. And what we propose, so Runmead Healthcare Center is, uh, it operates a 206-bed state-of-the-art rehabilitation facility. And we have won accolades. And in fact, um, our pursuance of excellence, um, we were awarded two consecutive four-year accreditation with exemplary status by Accreditation Canada. We're an institution that is really looking for a solution that is an organic kind of growth, taking away the stigma of receiving care for first responders and looking at some kind of uh, coalition, a really sort of different governance model that brings acute care, rehab, police, fire, ambulance together, making decisions so we can actually provide care, the right care at the mm. right place in the right time. Right. Minister Tabolo, uh, the healthcare system in Ontario is under enormous stress. I mean, it's a stressful situation to begin with. 
and then COVID-19 fell into your lap, and, and now you've got even more stress on the system. So how are you dealing with this, and, and what can you propose to the people of Ontario, let's say 45 and over, what you will do or are doing uh, to make life better for them in the community? Uh, thank you. Uh, what we've done is uh, prior to COVID-19, um, I was appointed minister, associate minister for mental health and addictions, which is the first time yeah. a position was developed uh, and put in place in the province with uh, so that there was a lens on mental health and addictions. The first thing we did was prepare a strategy, which is called the Roadmap to Wellness. And in there, looking at the lifespan model and specifically each phase of the lifespan, we looked to see what exactly the needs are and what exactly access points we have and what we can do to improve the system. But you've recognized an increasing desire or need to address mental health. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, we, we know uh, that very little was done in the past and uh, something needed to be done because, again, one in five Canadians suffer from a mental health or addiction issue uh, in Canada. One and in five. One in five, and COVID has aggravated the situation. Mm. It's actually a lot worse today than it was uh, when it comes to things like anxiety, depression, and a lot of it having to do with isolation uh, in our older population as well. Jim Reimer, you are in charge of people who every day are first responders, who encounter the public, who encounter people who may have substance abuse issues or mental health issues. How do you uh, uh, teach the officers of the force, and what have you got, about 9,000 officers, how do you teach them or, or convey to them that it's hugely important they consider mental health issues when dealing with the public? Actually, you know, that's a, that's a real good question, Gord. Uh, I mean, mental health is very, very important in policing and, and with all uh, first responders. But I think the biggest problem we've had is, is stigma and, 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 and a, a lack of awareness in some cases and a willingness to, to seek help. So I think that's the biggest issue we have in policing mm -hmm. is making sure that we have the right suite of services available and that we're, we're talking about it. And, and we're ensuring that our officers can feel comfortable and, and they can and they and the right kind of services are available to them. So I, I think that the kind of um, uh, institution or uh, that Connie is talking about would be is something that would be very important for us in police. Connie, uh, PTSD is an issue with a lot of people, especially now during COVID-19 mm -hmm. because of the stress effects and and the price it has exacted on them. You are an advocate for better treatment. What kind of better treatment? How can we improve treatment for people with PTSD? Well, I would say that, as, uh, as the chief has alluded to, we need to get started. And, and so certainly this program is one program um, of many. And we need a pilot program right now that offers in the community outreach and a designated area where they can go. So we need to start specializing and we need to make sure that officers, fire, ambulance, uh, corrections facilities know they can go to a specific place, be amongst their own, and receive treatment. This is very important, not just while they're on the job, but as they enter into retirement as well. So we've gone beyond recognizing the fact that, 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 that there is more need for better treatment for PTSD to actually doing it. Minister Tobolo, uh, mental uh, illnesses or, or mental lapses, let's say, on, on the part of many people in the public, and they don't know how to conduct themselves initially, it's not something you can see. It's not like a broken bone where you can treat it with a cast. I mean, mental defects are something that require investigation and, and specific treatment, highly high-level treatment. 
Exactly. Uh, when you're speaking about uh, PTSD and first responders, one of the things that we identified early on in our mandate as a government was that we needed to do more. Uh, I was actually back then the minister responsible for community safety and corrections, so I got a chance to see how the frontline uh, workers, uh, our, our, our police officers, our firefighters, what was available to them, both in the way they were trained um, to identify it in themselves, but also how they handled themselves in the public. And one of the things that uh, we saw very quickly was that there was uh, a, 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 an information gap where individuals needed to be given more mm -hmm. instruction, be given more uh, in the way of tools to be able to work. And um, uh, as well, when they went out into the community, we wanted to make sure that the resources were there to help as well. So we worked really hard to put in place a lot of mobile intervention crisis units so that right. nurse practitioners were with the police officers and able to provide supports for people in the community. Chief Raymer, do you think we've reached the point where, you know, the, the, pu the public perception of police and, and dealing with people with substance abuse is that it's a crime? Are we dealing with it more of a health issue now and a mental health issue now, substance abuse and, and various other uh, issues. M more often, uh, we're dealing with this is a health issue, not a crime issue. Yeah, actually, uh, very much so, Gord. I mean, even the Canadian Associa Association of Chiefs of Police have made a recommendation to decriminalize uh, a drug use, mm -hmm. uh, recognizing that this is a, it's a public health issue, it's a it's a public safety issue, uh, and not necessarily a criminal issue. So, uh, we are certainly moving in that direction, and I know even in terms of our own uh, changes in the organization and working with the city, we're moving towards more of a public health uh, support as, as uh, in terms of how we're, we're going to address some of these issues. Okay. Uh, Minister Tabolo, you announced a $176 million program with uh, Premier Doug Ford. How is that helping the community, your roadmap to wellness? So we had identified uh, access issues and uh, uh, fragmentation within the system, so gaps. Mm -hmm. Also, we noticed that there were uh, different levels of services depending on where you were in the province and a need to fill those gaps. So the investments really relate to all the work that's being done across the government in all ministries. There's 16 ministries that are impacted when it comes to mental health and addiction. So there's investments in things like housing, mm -hmm. The first uh, tranche of money that was invested went specifically to uh, support uh, workers in the area of addictions and mental health. So we looked at bringing more nurse practitioners online uh, to be able to do withdrawal management, which is a huge need in order to get an individual into a program uh, and provide those supports. We created more psychiatric beds. And what we're trying to do is, based on meetings with stakeholders throughout the province, find areas that needed to be invested in. The next phase, which will be announced this uh, very shortly, is the uh, relating to children and youth. So this is, is an evolving program. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, well, we, we've got three point eight billion dollars. We'll be investing over ten years. Mm -hmm. We invested one hundred and seventy-four million in year one of the mandate. This year, we've invested one hundred and seventy-six plus the one hundred and seventy-four, which we'll repeat for the ten years. So we're at three hundred and fifty million dollars in investments. And they're all targeted. They're all very focused and specific to ensure that we create as many access points as possible. We provide as much supports as well, depending on where the individual is in the system. So because of COVID, uh, internet-based cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, virtual supports for first responders, 
Uh, we've created uh, programs as well as structured psychotherapy, which is something that is rolling out and will be free of charge to all the people of the province of Ontario based on the system that was established. Chief Raymer, your officers, I mean, you know, the life of a cop is an interesting one from the standpoint of when they show up for work each day, they don't know what is going to happen. I mean, anything could unfold. So when they encounter a situation, no matter what it might be, how top of mind is mental health? And I mean, uh, you know, compare it now to what it was uh, 10 years ago when officers just were not as as focused or top of mind with health issues as they are today. So uh, are they trained to look for this initially? I think your point about the difference between 10 years ago and today is very relevant. The uh, I think we're much more aware in terms of the damage that is done over time and and the issue of PTSD, something we didn't talk about as much years ago and we're much more cognizant of it now. And that's why when we, our officers are are involved in a critical incident, we immediately have a critical incident debriefing team to sit down with those officers. And not only the officers, even the communications operators that might've been all involved because we recognize that there is fallout from some of these issues and we're trying to get at it early. We were talking before we got into the studio today about mental health and what a problem it is for certain sectors of society in Ontario. And I was quite uh, honestly astonished by one of the statistics you presented about how many people in Ontario suffer from mental health issues. It's quite alarming, isn't it? Yes. Well, and and that's what keeps me awake at night. Give me the number. It's 85%. 85% of the population of Ontario has a mental health issue. Yes, and it could be something as uh, uh, like a, a anxiety, a, a moderate acute. It could be something uh, like depression. Isolation is something that we're seeing more and more, especially in our aging populations, mm-hmm. because of uh, the lack of, of physical contact with other individuals. Minister, are you seeing an increase in, in certain levels of uh, issues, for, exact, uh, for example, addiction abuse, substance abuse? Is that rising. I mean, we're given to believe that because of isolation and, and because we can't communicate with other people, we can't, people are afraid to go to the hospital. So if they have an issue, they're just sitting at home. So that leads to a deeper level of addiction, does it not? It, it does. <clears throat> and we've noticed that this is happening in the, uh, in the community. We have a, a mental health command table where we get to see the numbers. I see them every morning mm. and I get to see what's happening in the province. And we've seen an increase in the amount of uh, substance abuse. We've seen an increase in the amount of anxiety and depression. We've seen also the liquor sales have increased substantially during the COVID period. Mm. And we know that when we talk about COVID and we talk about the second wave, um, what one wave, the tsunami that's in behind both these waves because it is continuing to grow is the tsunami with mental health and addictions. It is growing and it is growing exponentially compared to COVID-19. We actually are having more people dying from a mental health or addiction issue than we have had with people dying from COVID. Some final thoughts now with Dr. Varlese's prescription to aging better. So Dr. Varlese, we've, we've pretty well nailed down that mental health is a very serious issue, needs more attention and needs needs more specific attention. But you're of the opinion, and I think you're right on this, is it has to be a holistic approach, not just a bunch of people trying to provide mental health services. It's got to be done as a unit. Absolutely. And we learned so much today with uh, with our guests. Um, uh, the system is fragmented. It's uh, requiring uh, a more comprehensive 
uh, holistic approach. I take great pride in in our CEO Connie D. Jack at Runnymede Hospital for trying to create um, a pathway that uh, is able to um, ensure a more holistic approach mm. to the problem of mental health, and specifically in first responders um, uh, who are suffering from PTSD. Uh, when the system is fragmented, it's easy for people to reserve fragmented type care. And that doesn't ultimately make the difference. What really makes the difference is that it doesn't matter if you're at home or you have landed the emergency room from an overdose or any of the in-betweens. Um, we need to create a, a, a protocol, a system where uh, the individual never falls off. Uh, yep. the course of healing. And that's what I mean by a holistic approach. And as we wrap up today, please, folks, get a flu shot. The information is at myfluShot.ca. Questions about aging better can be emailed to info at agingbetter.ca or by visiting our website at agingbetter.ca. Aging Better in Uncertain Times, brought to you by Delos, Runnymede Health, Jewel 88.5, L'Oreal, La Roche-Posay, Vichy, Avicana, and Sanofi Pasteur, in part through an educational grant. Be sure to drop in for your next doctor's visit on Jewel 88.5, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. or at jewel885.com. Until next time, I'm Gord Martineau with Dr. Fabio Varlese, along with producers Dominic Schulo and David Sirsta. Be well and stay safe.